I began seeing like, why does Visa make 51% net operating margin and they're a 40 year old company? If ExxonMobil made 51% net operating margin, I think we would have people jumping out of buildings with ExxonMobil saying, you killed me, right? Like we would have protests in the streets. The problem with the payments industry with their little club, they don't compete. That I'm pretty convinced that I'm gonna go to my grave not being a slave to money or anything else really. This may sound weird to a lot of people, but the longer I'm around Bitcoin, I actually have become a nicer person. I'm 65, man. And if you're 30 or 40 or 50, like this is one of the greatest opportunities in the history of mankind. This podcast is entertainment, not financial tax or legal advice. Views expressed represent statements of the speaker in their individual capacity, do not represent the views of Unchained, and should not be considered investment advice. Speakers often have personal, family, or business connections to Unchained, which may include direct financial benefits. Please see our disclosure at unchained.com slash podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Bitcoin Frontier podcast. This week, I have on Gary Cardone. Gary, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. Good to see you. Yeah, good to see you. Glad to have you here. For those that may not have met you before haven't heard you on a podcast or Twitter space. Can you share a glimpse of like the journey of what shaped you and who you are today? Sure. Um, Gary Cardone, twin brother with Grant Cardone, um, grew up in Louisiana, studied economics, left as soon as I got out of school, the next day I left college, which I found to be a complete waste of time. Uh, went to Houston, got a job in Houston in the oil and gas business, and that would begin to shape my, my real education, my learning. Uh, there was a regulatory change in the energy business called FERC 478, I think, from memory. And it basically, in one stroke of the pen, completely altered the way energy moved um, post-1987, right? So they opened the market up, and this is gonna be really relevant to Bitcoin, it's gonna be relevant to payments, where guys like us went into the, I, I, I build the case that natural gas and electricity are the most profound commodities in the world, in that they define whether or not we're gonna be a first, second, or third world nation. Um, and we were able to commoditize that in such a way that today, electricity trades on the half hour. ExxonMobil, sold crude oil today for $82.37, not 38, not 40. They did not receive a premium, even though it's one of the best brands in the world. I look at the payments industry and I'm like, hey, look, gum, batteries, somebody moving your money around, these are not things that you should be paying premiums because there's a brand in there, right? This, if you can do it to Nat Gas and crude oil and ExxonMobil can't get a premium for their credit lines and their, you know, pretty sure they're gonna be around tomorrow morning. Um, I'm certain that an automobile maker or a uh, shoe that's made in China is not gonna get a premium just because you stick a fancy label on it. So that's, uh, and, and that's, that, that industry really uh, cemented a deep understanding of supply and demand and how complex supply chains are uh, built together and, and like, you know, to kind of fast forward where we're at today, we are digitizing planet Earth and many of the constructs that w were built in the past and how we handle things, it has to change because the speed of transactions are, are just expanding and accelerating as we move into what I call the digitization of planet Earth, where we're moving to microtransactions, right? Like the whole world's just going to be a rental economy where you're tracking, tracing, and accounting for a bunch of micro interactions with with people whether it's commerce or it's this which is you and i exchanging thoughts which i believe is really currency communication is currency right so that's went into payments spent 12 years in payments i've built i think five companies done five exits um and just been been at the right time in the right place and i observe things extremely well i, I have a, a very open mind I don't like make judgment decisions other than supply and demand if they are not distorted by some major or major players. Supply and demand always speak to each other. And when they don't, when there's a lack of transparency, I have a maxim that says, hey, there is something bad going on when you can't see into a marketplace. 
or when you can't see into a family, when you can't see into a corporation, the black box always indicates some kind of crime or abnormal margin being made, usually because of a monopoly construct. Makes sense. Could you dive a little deeper on why you got into the nat gas industry and then also why you got into the payments industry? I think those are like two interesting in industries, but can you just explain more of like how you even got involved with those to begin with? Well, I needed a job when I was 21. Uh, my first job was, you know, when you get out of school, I'm, I think most people are utterly confused when they get out of school. I was. I went to work for a pharmaceutical company, did all the uh, testing. Now, this is in the depths of uh, the greatest explosion of people looking for jobs. This is 1981, man. Okay, boomers are, like, there's more boomers ever been created. We're all 20 years old looking for a job in the biggest recession that we'd seen in, in, in decades. Um, funny enough, every business I've ever built has been in a recession. And I think it's, and so has my brother. It's, it's really weird. Uh, and I haven't had any failures. And I think the no failures is because I learned how to run businesses and build businesses in marketplaces that had real re interest rates. Money wasn't free. When money's free, you know why so many people lost their Bitcoin? It was priced at 30 bucks. Good. It was mispriced. People, when you buy, when you get something that's so cheap, you place no value on it, right? That's why 4 million coins were lost. Nobody's losing $27,000, $34,000 coins today. I do not believe that's really happening. Um, also, people aren't giving away 10,000 coins at $34,000 anymore, max. Um, so I needed a job. I spent 17 years in that company, made retired when I was 41. So this myth about you have to own your own business, you have to be the founder, you have to be the CEO, that's, that is not true, okay? Most wealth is made working for someone. I wasn't mature enough to go build my own business when I was that age, I was, and, and I wasn't educated enough. I didn't understand the real world. Schools had not prepared me. The best message I can say, share with anyone is, hey, go find the platform. The pharmaceutical sales job, I lasted three days. I scored the highest they had ever seen in my understanding of drugs. Maybe that was because I played around with drugs when I was a kid. So, like, I didn't, it, I understood it. But I hated the job. Literally gave it up. I had drugs in my trunk. I'm like, I am not going to spend the rest of my life. For me, it just wasn't the deal, right? So... I found the job at Natural Gas Clearinghouse. I was working for a really big oil company. I, I did not like it. And I w the Natural Gas Clearinghouse was hiring people. I think I was the 12th commercial employee. Uh, would have worked for them for free. Found the right platform where my muscles and my skills could be uh, really honed in. Um, and three years into that, I moved to London on a an idea I had, and I built two monster-built businesses for them in London. That was a tremendous experience. I would give two things to people. I would say, hey, first off, as soon as you leave school, leave the town you're in. Get out of the comfort zone. I, 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 Grant was still living with my mom, well, I think when he was 29, man. I was out in the world at 21. I was flying on a private jet when I was 22 with the oil company. I mean, I was seeing things that, I, you know, ranchers at own 40,000 acres in deep Texas and they own, you know, all the Sanchez O'Brien. I still remember their name as, a, as an oil company. Um, so I needed to get educated. Uh, that was cool. Retired when I was 41, took off eight years, studied religion, myself, history. Um, I've never wanted to become a slave to a career or an industry or money. Like that's been a profound goal of mine not to get trapped um uh, i'm not good being trapped I, i'm i'm a bit of a animal spirit and i just need to be um uh, you know free to kind of think and, and do how you know operate the way i want i went into payments because i was in an airport in la with a two-hour layover i'm a horrible traveler I was single and I was like, hey, there's got to be a, a good looking woman in here to talk to. I got two hours and I found this woman. I started chatting with her. I was talking business. She was this business person and she 
had a, a pretty decent understanding of the payments industry, something I did not know anything about. But her challenge was she never knew how to, she, she had never made money. She worked 18 hour days, but did not know how to monetize or commercialize it. I see this in founders all the time. They undervalue the, their egos are way up here and then they price everything incorrectly. They price everything cheap, 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 or they're so myopic in what they're building, they don't see an application over here. Uh -huh. So founders really, like get with a commercial warrior, man. Get with somebody that knows how to operate and value products and understand what products can be morphed into and how you can sell them for multiple, uh, you know, multiple different verticals. Um, when in that industry, we built a half a billion dollar business, man. And in the middle of an industry that was 40 years old, you would never have thought about, hey, let me go build a business to handle chargeback disputes. Now, why did we do that? Because I didn't believe from my energy experience, there are no chargebacks, there's no refunds, and there's no force majeure in the energy space. If a hurricane smacks ExxonMobil in the Gulf of Mexico, you know what our answer is? So sorry, dude, where's my energy that I bought from you? Okay, you owe me a billion dollars of energy tomorrow morning. I didn't ask where you were coming from, where you were bringing the energy from. You have an obligation to deliver that at the Henry Hub. So we started creating points of delivery uh, for energy to get around the whole default issue, right? There's zero defaults in energy. Um, I mean, zero, why? Unlike the internet, where there's 50 million different terms and conditions, and I mean 50 million, okay? Every merchant that sells on the internet has a different set of terms and conditions, none of which you have ever read. And if you have tried to read it, it's gobbledygook. My question would be, if we're trading on the internet and we're a global marketplace, why the hell do we have 50 million different T's and C's when energy trades on one contract? Or are we trying to hoodwink the consumer? Or are we trying to make it so difficult for the consumer? Furthermore, why don't my children have to consent, hit a cookie consent button? What are we doing? We're training them to be rats, okay, in the free cheese market. And you know what happens to rats and free cheese, right? They end up in the trap. So there are so many ways to fix all these problems. There's a 656 million chargebacks disputes in the payment industry. Trillion dollars, man, just wasted. Who's paying for that? The consumer's paying for it, okay? And, and it's really down to just not having standard terms and conditions. Everyone's treated exactly the same. Google's treated exactly the same as you are. They're not giving any favors because they're big. And we begin to understand that advertising is not working on those platforms. There's just, it's a train wreck of legacy hitting digital um, and you can see it in the payment companies. The payment companies have not done well in the last 10 years. They have not, uh, even though the internet late, now Visa and MasterCard, now they have done exceptionally well from this. I personally think that all gets disrupted. Um, and then the payments led me to Node 40 and Bitcoin. And I see the, I see the digital asset industry, Bitcoin, other tokens, blockchain, the way money's going to move, the ETF that is most certainly coming, all the big legacy players who want uh, a bite at the apple of this new world. I personally think everything on planet Earth is going to be tracked, traced, accounted for because we're moving to a digital economy. And if we're moving to a digital economy, you're not going to do it kind of, sort of. You're going to move to a digital economy, period. And we don't have the tools. We do not have the tools to measure uh, microtransactions. Uh, pencil and ledgers, like it's not going to cut the mustard in the future. Nor is obscurity and opaqueness. We're moving to a world of transparency if this works correct. And that should be really freeing for 8 billion people. So I'm excited to be a part of it. And yeah. Transform and shape uh, the industry. In 17 or 18, I started buying Bitcoin, read the white paper bought some more Bitcoin and bought some more. And I've been, you know, acquiring a, a large position in my, for my family. Um, 
And now I'm starting to invest in companies in this space. And it's, uh, that's how Node 40 came about. That's going to be a multi-billion dollar deal that cost me probably a total of 14 to $17 million of investments. Um, hmm. So it's true. Like this is a, I'm 65, man. And if you're 30 or 40 or 50, like this is one of the greatest opportunities in the history of mankind. Yeah. I mean, I absolutely agree. One thing that um, you said earlier that, that resonated with me and probably resonates with a lot of people that hold Bitcoin is that you didn't want to be a slave to, to anything, including money or a career or a job. I thought that was very interesting. Was that something that you discovered at a young age or is that something that you didn't discover until like you had that retirement period? Seven, I was seven years old. I was seven years old. Nice. Nobody's ever asked me this question. I was seven years old. I was sitting in a church in Louisiana with my mom and dad and the priest, this was one of those old Italian Catholic churches, man, with the stained glass, I mean, 50 stained glass windows and statues everywhere, you know, Jesus being held by Mary, he's bleeding. I mean, just like a lot of, I'm seven, me and Grant are playing around, pinching each other. But the priest pops up and his, his uh, sermon for the day was, it is easier for a camel to get through the head of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter the gates of heaven. I cannot tell you, mm. I, I know most people are going to be sitting there, going, the seven-year-old kids don't understand that. At seven years old, I realized that would be my life's journey. It would be a, become a real challenge for me. It just dawned on me, okay, I, I can either, uh, it may, maybe it scared me from being rich, actually. Uh, but the, <laughs> the, 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 well, I mean, it's pretty heavy duty right um yeah, easier for sure. a camel to get through the head of a needle than a rich man to get into heaven i don't know why i thought that would be my challenge but i have refused to become a slave to money and i've been tested so many times now uh, that i'm pretty convinced that i'm going to go to my grave not being a slave to money or anything else really um other than being honest you know i i, I i've really spent a lot of my life being honest. My mom taught me that there's two ways to win the game. I can either cheat or play honest and playing honest was more difficult. So I chose that path. Yeah, fair. Yeah, I guess it is interesting to think about, right? Because if we are right about Bitcoin, then Bitcoin's price is probably going to go up in terms of everything significantly. Do you think that Bitcoiners will struggle with wealth at some point, like having too much wealth and that could be, you know, many people's ultimate downfall? I mean, I'm thinking about like early Bitcoiners that, you know, had thousands of coins and, you know, made for somehow didn't lose it back in the day and kept it or like they were dealing drugs on the Silk Road, went to jail, then they came out of jail and then they had like a billion dollars or a hundred million dollars like that probably destroyed them to some extent. Do you think that that will happen, you know, again in the future? Uh, won't happen to me. May happen to my daughters when they get all this stuff. Um, it's a real problem. I was with Anthony Scaramucci about two months ago and we were we were kidding around about our positions the size of our positions and hey are we crazy because like we're the only old guys doing this and you know there's about 20 of us there it is fascinating like why are these 20 guys doing this right uh i said to him i said look anthony because he said hey you think we're going to be okay here and i said anthony look this is my view if my children if i'm wrong and it's zero my children grow up just like you and i did and we did okay. If I'm right on Bitcoin, my children actually have a very serious problem, right? They are going to have billions of dollars of decisions to make at 30, 35 years old. To answer your question, I think Bitcoin, the Bitcoin community and some of its politics, which I have found to be, I shocked me that there's politics in this industry. I actually would relate it back to the question you just asked. I think you have a number of people that have become exceptionally wealthy. They are not working for anyone, okay? And they don't want this world to change. They like it like it is, and they have to let go, okay? You guys are creating more problems than you're actually helping now. You're polarizing people like me 
you're coming up with crazy and saying insane things. I'm going to just say it. It's insane. Okay. You want adoption. You can't then say fidelity and BlackRock can't play that. They're the evil players. It's either you want adoption or you don't. And the adoption is not going to come from South Africa, from the underbanked. It will come, but it's going to come from institutions first. And they're going to make this much easier. I just got off of a listening to something guys literally going hey in order to properly self-custody you need to spend a hundred a thousand hours fuck it ain't gonna happen dude it's not going to happen my twin brother i know you're gonna ask me about my twin brother my twin brother doesn't come into bitcoin because he's like wow why do you need all this like are you guys a bunch of thieves this is too hard for him right hey don't lose your keys don't share your keys don't do cold storage hot storage this storage you know Literally had a guy the other day go, man, you need to go get some metal plates, smash them down, dig it, dig a hole in your in your yard, and then buy a, a telephone and then destroy the telephone. I'm like, bro, rich people don't do this kind of stuff, okay? This is this sounds like crime. It sounds weird. Um, so in order for adoption to occur, we got to understand these are institutions. These are families that have four hundred million dollars. Uh, sitting in trusts or four billion, um, they don't have the. Most of these people will never self custody, right? And I know that's the. Uh, don't don't remember. Don't become a slave to anything, right? You would think I would be a big self custody guy. I'm just being practical. I'm not saying what I do. The practicality of people self custodying trillions of dollars in assets might just be a little early in the evolution of this industry. I'm not convinced that the, the wallets of today are the wallets of tomorrow, are you? If we're, I'm pretty sure this is going to get easier and it's going to get more sophisticated. Yeah, no, it's a great point. And I, I definitely feel like a lot of Bitcoin focused companies have started to transition to the more like collaborative custody type model where it's like, hey, I don't want to fully put all of my Bitcoin in Coinbase or FTX or BlockFi. But I could trust, you know, multiple institutions to hold keys for me. So I'm not relying on one particular institution. I, I definitely think you're right. Like, a, you know, if I'm worth $4 billion, I'm not going to have, you know, one metal seed plate in my backyard holding all $4 billion. I'm probably going to be having multiple key agents that are trusted institutions around the world, maybe holding my keys for me to some extent. Yeah. And, and look, it, it, if people are if people are buying coins on a regular basis and they are then putting those coins from every year with this volatility into the same wallet, they've just like committed Harry carry on their weighted average cost. So, you know, do not commingle one year from another into the same wallet. Once you commingle, you're done. Okay. You've just lost all the ability to exploit the price volatility. Okay, like I was able, what I'm saying here is I moved three and a half million dollars from my accounts, and there were five of them on the day Celsius and, and uh, Galaxy were blowing up to buy Node 40. Now, why would I do that? Now, I was a hodler, hundreds of Bitcoin. I was a hodler until I got a divorce. Uh oh, didn't know that was coming. Uh oh, I need to buy a company. Saturday afternoon, the whole world's failing. I'm going to transfer three and a half million dollars worth of Bitcoin and Ethereum to Node 40, complete my acquisition. That took five minutes, by the way, five minutes. And the CEO of the other company, zero friction. Two minutes later, he was able to move those coins into stable coins and use the money in the legacy system. That would have taken me five hours from five banks and he would have received the money around Wednesday or Thursday. Um, that if you haven't done that, you have no clue what we're talking about. Like until you do that on a Saturday afternoon, move some serious money from one institution to another. You, you really don't know what we're talking about. It's like talking about an acid trip, but you've never done one. Um, when you do that, you're like, oh, my God, this is so different. Uh, and, and I just want to remind everybody that was on the worst day in crypto history. And I moved from Binance, FTX, I moved from everybody and, and wallets. Um, so that was cool. Um, now, why did I do it that way? I was able to take a million and a half dollar tax loss. Okay. And so if I spent $4 million on buying a 40% uh, 
40% interest in node 40, my cost base just kind of got right uh, because I took the loss of a million and a half. So it really only cost me three. And then I was able to reload all my Bitcoin, all of it. Like I've actually completed in six months, replenishing that entire position at $10,000 cheaper than, than my prior positioning. So um, now I bring up the commingling because I had made these mistakes where I move $8,000 coins into a wallet or into an exchange and it's commingled with $57,000 coins or $30,000 coins. I just lost my option to keep those coins for a long time into the future, right? Uh, so the, this is why most people don't really understand their cost base or their position. Don't commingle coins into wallets, okay? Especially when there's a lot of volatility so that you can enjoy the benefits when you do come to liquidate. And you guys will liquidate one day. The most severe hodlers on the planet will liquidate. 46% of us are going to get a divorce. Sorry, that's the numbers, dude. I didn't make them up, okay? They're 46% get a divorce. And if you think about that, well, what's the judge going to have you do? Like, I went through this. Do you get the $8,000 coins or do you get $69,000? Y'all want me to liquidate? Fuck off. I'm not liquidating. Now, I could say that, and they were like, oh, you just said fuck off to us. I said, yeah, who's going to pay the taxes, dude? You want to pay them? You go ahead. Here you go. Here's $10 million worth of crypto. I get everything else. You're paying the taxes. Or, you know, do we split the coins? You know, it, the, the, her forensics team's going to go, hey, let's split the coins. Okay, which ones you want? Oh, I want the $8,000 coins. Cool. Don't call me when you got to pay the tax. <laughs> the, ta the tax consequence is going to be severe on one of us. So this is really complicated because the professionals around you don't understand this space. Okay, they see a Coinbase to Coinbase Pro or wallet to wallet as a liquidation event, a taxable event. That's not necessarily the case. You're just transferring from one bank to another. That's why I bought Node 40, because Node 40 wraps around the whole story about what happened. That's before we get to death. Okay, I am most certainly going to die. 100% of hodlers are going to die. If this stuff's worth a million dollars each, and you got three coins, I don't care when you bought them. You need to treat that like a $3 million asset, not a $100,000 asset. How much Bitcoin do you have? Three. Well, how much is that worth? A hundred grand? No, dude, you just told me it was worth a million each, okay? So you don't treat it like it's a $100,000 property. You treat it like it's a $3 million property. That's a very different position, and no one's actually behaving properly. They're not behaving like mature professionals who were sitting on a 50 to $100 trillion asset class. They're acting like it's a lemonade stand, man. It's, it's really, so, so I'm excited about the big boys coming into the market because we think of things, we think of this very, very differently than it's being treated today. I, I, yeah, that's absolutely. my way of saying it. I think I it's wanna good. Keep talking. Yeah, sorry. Oh, no, you're good. Uh, I want to I want to talk more about Bitcoin, but first I want to talk about uh, Cardone Digital Ventures, your your business consulting firm. I guess you know with the companies that you work with, are there like common challenges that you see? And also, are you telling them to integrate Bitcoin into their operations or their strategy or their treasury at all, or is Bitcoin kind of like a separate thing that you're involved in? Yeah. So Cardone Digital Venture, I'm not a consultant. I've never done consultancy. I'm not a broker. Like I take proprietary positions. I make promises to my clients. Um, that's what's made me really successful is that I don't deliver anything that I don't put my name behind and I don't charge anything if my promise doesn't work. So I come with a hundred, one thousand percent money back freaking guarantee. Uh, cause I think that's the way everything should work anyway. I, I just don't even understand why people don't guarantee everything they do. Uh, maybe they just don't have a good enough product to make that guarantee. But um, so it's not a consulting firm. Look, look for for um, it, it's a investment vehicle. Like that's what how I bought Node Forty. I'm looking at acquiring some other things, and if I can't buy companies that what I believe out produce the multiple that I think I'm going to get from Bitcoin investment, like like Node Forty. I think, I think Bitcoin's an 8Xer, 
So I look at node 40 on the same time horizon and say, it has to exceed 8x. Otherwise, why am I putting up with the hassle of people and reporting and risk management? People get sick. I've got exposure to people getting sick, families, blah, blah, blah. Node 40 allowed me to get a piece of the Bitcoin blockchain advancement, the whole industry, uh, without having any underlying commodity risk. Doesn't matter if Bitcoin's trading at $10 or $10 million, you are going to pay taxes, you are going to report, you need analysis, you need forensics. Uh, there's going to be millions of audits done, dude. Okay, If you're holding Bitcoin, you will be audited. There's 30,000 tax people being hired right now to do this. There's a treasury document out that's 350 pages long saying what you will do, whether you're an investor or someone serving that investor, broker, dealer, the granular reporting required is a perfect node 40 solution, right? So I love building businesses inside of industries that are evolving uh, because we can help shape it, right? Like I know what big business needs from a compliance perspective and we have the ability to actually shape and form the way this market works this industry and its immaturity max you've done nothing to help regulatory compliance all you've done is complain about the past world now i would say you need to go on a vacation and chill out uh because and, and look i think he was really good for the beginning years and being you know like really hey the system is broken I don't know that it really helps to keep teasing people, right? Like, I, I think what we need to do is start delivering some solutions that allow for us to make sure that everybody's playing by the same rules, period. And, and Max doesn't get a pass and Bank of America doesn't get a pass, right? Everybody's, this should be a very democratic kind of industry. Democratic meaning no one gets any type of stronghold over another player. That, that, that would be the yeah. ideal scenario. Yeah, Max is definitely an interesting guy, interesting character. Um, <laughs> I think I've heard him in the past say that he he takes on like the personality that he has to to scare away like the traditional finance type guys. So normal people that somehow believe him can buy more Bitcoin at a lower price. <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not, but I think I've heard him say that before. Um, so you, you mentioned earlier that you, you got into Bitcoin or you first learned about Bitcoin back in 2017 or 2018. What was like the tipping point for you to, to get more interested in Bitcoin? The, the, well, my first investment was a total punt. Uh, I bought about 10x more gold than I did than Bitcoin. Uh, this is in 17, 18. I became very, 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 very uncomfortable with what I was saying, seeing in the payments industry, quite frankly, through the chargeback business. That business grew to a $70 million run rate, and we weren't even, our, man, our management had some governance issues. So I would say that even though it was, I've exited that business, it was a really great return on my initial capital of, you know, probably 10 or $12 million, um, you know, 20 Xer, but the the uh it, i i began seeing like why does visa make 51 percent net operating margin and they're a 40 year old company mastercard makes 46 percent net operating margin and they're a 40 year old company exxon mobile just to keep everything you know, the audience like visa makes 51 if if exxon mobile made 51 percent net operating margin I think we would have people jumping out of buildings with ExxonMobil saying, you killed me, right? Like we would have protests in the streets, but when Visa and MasterCard do it, it's cool, okay? You cannot, ExxonMobil, their net operating margin, 10%. Google, 24%. Visa, MasterCard, 51 and 46. I think something's not right, right? Like you have, and by the way, those two companies control 72% of all card payments in the United States and Europe. Imagine if ExxonMobil controlled 72% of all the energy flows in the United States and Europe, and they made a 51% net operating market. It would be carnage. The sad thing is, I don't think payments is anything close to being as valuable as energy. Uh, like it literally defines, okay? who is a first world nation and who is not. Um, payments, you know, if somebody misses a payment, is, it, is anybody gonna freeze in the middle of the winter? I don't think so. 
Nobody's going to die. Um, so I think this world, and this is where I disagree with Max, we need people that can digest this and understand what's happening. Um, the, the market is going to get more efficient. We're either going to go back to, you know, where antitrust doesn't even exist. Regulation has failed Joe Consumer. Regulation has been extremely beneficial for big corporate. If Google gets broken up tomorrow, those four companies are going to make more money than they ever did before. You know why? Because four companies is much more challenging to monitor than one company. Oligopolies are nearly impossible to, uh, excuse me, duopolies are almost impossible to break up. Whereas a monopoly, like just let Google be its deal and then you can police Google as one entity or Facebook. Um, so, I, you know, I think the system is just broken, man. We've had 150 years of trying it this way and it may just be down to we are now, we've run out of all that energy to do things by pencil and paper um, where, you know, somebody can just erase the number uh, we have very, very little transparency, yet we have the technology to make the world very, very transparent. So I would say, hey, why not, right? Like, in the future, you should be judged by the value you bring to society, not just because you can charge, but, like, it should be based on the value you bring to society in a highly competitive environment. Problem with clubs, OPEC, NATO, uh, any club they create tomorrow morning, the payments industry with their little club, um, they don't compete, okay? They're clubs. They all go to the same dinners. They're all working with the same analysts. They all have the same consulting firms. I mean, these industries are not even any different anymore. I I'm proof certain. I've been in four industries, freaking built four different companies in four different industries with my background in education. That should not be possible. How can that be possibly be possible? All these industries are identical. They have five things in common. A bunch of consultants running around from one industry to another with the same freaking 1940s playbook. Okay, merge. We're now merging. Now we're separating. Okay, we're going to go through a decade of separating and reselling different, the same company four different times. IBM's going to separate. Then we're, oh, IBM's going to merge. It's, it's just a playbook, man. It's a total monopoly game. And when you realize that four or five consultings are advising all these governments and all these mega companies, it's the same team of people, right? So now you start to understand, oh, now I see the game here. The game's a money game, right? So it's um, like, I wish I was your age, man, because I could build six or seven billion dollar industries and really make, uh, take out some of, extract some of the, what I would call grossly unethical behavior, grossly, if not criminal behavior going on uh, on the planet man, from some of the biggest companies in the world, which by the way, I think the regulators are actually just giving them a, a blue, a blue, uh, a blue pass. Um, and it's harming competition. Okay. I mean, it's really harming competition. It's going to be very difficult for smaller companies to survive, especially when people can just yeah. you know, burn through cash. So it's, it's, um, it's a great time when, when there's this much chaos, it's yeah. better for the new newbies than the old guys for sure. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. I've always been surprised at how large and profitable the fiat or dollar payment companies have been like MasterCard visa, like you're talking about, but I guess it, it makes sense. It's just kind of a, a closed system and a closed game and no one else can join easily. And they just kind of take advantage of everybody else kind of like you're talking about. So I guess, how do you see So do you see like, you know, Bitcoin startups or other startups being able to compete with them eventually? And, and like, what would be the strategy to, to break into that duopoly or monopoly? Um, I don't know that you can break, break them up. I think, um, well, one, I think people should complain about their margins. Okay. Like it's a ridiculous margin. If you think if you would be irate at ExxonMobil, that's why I use the example, and I think people would be irate. You would have Elizabeth Warren uh, taking about, you know, like, sh come on, man. Uh, uh, they they would be people riding in the street. So, and I don't even think the conversation's even close. A barrel of natural, a barrel of crude oil versus a payment. Um, you know, I find it really interesting that 
you can't find in these big public companies any information on how much money they make from fees, fines, and fraud. Go, go try and look it out. These are public companies, some of the biggest public companies in the world. Go find out their P&L, how much money they made from fees, fines, and friction, right? All the fraud, about $5 billion worth of fraud companies in the last five years, fraud is going straight up. So either these companies are buying companies that are idiots, okay? They're just trying to buy these companies and take them off the market. But why'd they spend $5 billion? And refunds are up, declines are up, and chargebacks are up. Why? I don't think you have to take MasterCard and Visa out. I think what happens is that the gaming companies, the uh, gambling businesses, and adult, all digital activities are going to move to the blockchain and Bitcoin so fast once we're ready, you're going to see Visa, MasterCard, and many of the payment companies, P&L, get crushed. Absolutely get crushed because those gamers are getting charged 8 10%. An adult merchant, and you can say, well, a dirt, adult, it's bad. Adult is a legal merchant category code offered and sanctioned by Visa, MasterCard, and American Express if they accept that. If it's a merchant category code, it's illegal. Why would you then say, hmm, this is adult. We're going to charge more for it. Really? So is it legal? Is it, is it any less legal than buying a banana? Because if I buy a banana from Amazon, the consumer is paying about 0.3%. Nothing, hardly anything. But if he buys a something that looks like a banana on an adult site, he pays 350 times that. Why? Make it illegal, okay? If you don't want to do that, but you can't say, well, Visa and MasterCard get to charge 3.5% before any of the other fees they charge just because of brand risk. Brand risk. Are your shareholders, do they support pornography or not? Do they support adult or not? You can't then say, well, they only support adult if we get paid a lot of money for it. <laughs> like, dude, it's, it's either legal or it's not. You know, Google should not be have any advantage as a merchant over a smaller merchant. I, I've seen regulators literally say, hey, we want you treating $50 billion or 50 million revenue companies differently than people that make less than 50. Like that, that's not cool. Okay. That, that is a gross overreach of regu regulatory oversight of picking winners and losers. Um, and scarily it's picking winners being the big guys over the small guys that, that if you were a little bit biased on the young, the, on the smaller guys, I might have a little, you know, exception, um, in there, but even that wouldn't be, be correct. You should just treat everything legal as everything is legal. So I think you'll see that, that blockchain and Bitcoin and other tokens, um, not that Bitcoin's a token, but that other methods of digitization on these transactions, these micro transactions is gonna really move first to, to those industries. And they are the most profitable centers for payments in the world. Uh, so once that happens, it's a slippery slope. Everyone, every industry loses its control sooner or later, man. This is just an eventuality. You have one, one of my questions. What are the lessons learned? Transparent. You can't mm -hmm. stop transparency once you start. It's like a waterfall. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I definitely can see a future where the payment intermediaries just get disrupted. I mean, now there's this new technology that basically makes them irrelevant. Maybe there'll be a new form of like assistance with these new technologies to help, you know, use these open networks like the Lightning Network. Um, but there doesn't need to be that Visa, MasterCard, and probably a bunch of other people in the middle just taking their their fair share or their unfair share. <laughs> yeah. Now, it's going to be the guys in the middle that get squeezed first. I, I'm actually expecting Visa and MasterCard to make some moves here. Uh, the, the, the cool thing is, and I'm, we probably don't have time to discuss this, but as an industry... The payments industry is a oligopoly, right? It's a really large club. If all we do is target Visa and MasterCard is the, is the, the thing we want to dilute, we want to dilute their power, they're so powerful now, 
I think the guys in the middle are going to get squeezed first, right? The vendors that appear to be banks, they're not banks, right? Most of these companies and payments, WorldPay, WorldLine, Stripe, all of these companies, they're not banks, okay? They're vendors with some technology, and they're tripping through the payment stream. I could see a world where the mega merchants decide they don't need Visa and MasterCard. Why, why do they need them? Why does Google need Visa? They have all the consumers. Why does Apple need Visa or MasterCard or First Data or WorldPay? Like, why? There's, they don't provide insurance. They, they don't provide anything other than tripping a switch on a, on a transaction and monitoring it. Uh, I'm pretty sure that Apple can, they're already suffering all the chargebacks, so why don't they just accept the money? Right, and, and, and this is gonna be a big issue for the regulator because 10 years ago, they were like, no, 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 we cannot let Google become the merchant. Well, well, I, I don't, I think this is gonna be a world where only the big survive uh, in the merchant category class, especially if you're thinking that this becomes highly transparent, that means that everything gets commoditized. Back to the where we started this conversation, right? Double A batteries are going to be commoditized. You're not gonna pay a super premium for a label. Um, so I, I just, I think you're, I think we're really close where the payment industry, the entire dynamics between merchant, card scheme, bank, payment system, I, I think it's all getting ready to uh, change in, in, in such that people begin cutting out a bunch of intermediaries. Yeah, that'll I definitely be cool. agree about once that. Once that competition starts, it's it it never stops. It, it it just like when I came into the energy business, there was twenty three thousand oil producers in the United in the United States. Within four years, man, it halved. Okay, because we actually drove real economics into a marketplace, and people began to understand. Oh shit, there's too many oil producers. I think there's probably too many payment companies, right? Yeah. There's definitely a lot of intermediaries, and I think you know open networks are gonna gonna help solve that. Last question, and maybe we can can wrap it up. Like, what excites you the most about you know Bitcoin over the next five to ten years? Is it like the payment side of like maybe the Lightning Network or stuff like that, or is it like more people using Bitcoin as a long term savings technology? I I think it excites me. Um, you know. This may sound weird to a lot of people, but the longer I'm around Bitcoin, um, I actually have become a nicer person since being in Bitcoin. I can't really explain that other than, uh, like, like this will make no sense, but I'm finding myself, and maybe this is because I'm, I'm finding myself less judgmental of people, even though I was criticizing Max. I actually like Max in that he did a cool job six years ago. I just think it's a little OTT now. Um, like, we don't need to be that aggressive now. Like, I think the product now can speak for itself. Um, you know, my pitch is, hey, you know, why is there so many guys my age that were running hedge funds or didn't even need to work? And they've literally, like, left everything they're doing. Like, I don't focus on anything other than this, dude. This is not a part-time job. Like if you, if you're out there and you want to get into this space, do not like try to don't don't distract yourself from your core business 20% of the time and come over here. You're not going to learn anything 20%. This is an all-in deal, which is kind of good for all of us that really get committed, because any part-time corporate player that moves their people around all the time, dude, they're going to make so many mistakes in this space. This is a 24-7, eight days a week kind of activity. Uh, it's not for the kind of sort of guys, right? Um, we're seeing entire companies develop digital divisions, okay? Like, I have a big rule on the accounting and the tax firms. If you guys are holding crypto and your accountant and your lawyer doesn't have a digital division, change them right now. Like, go find somebody that has digital expertise, okay? The, the, if you're holding Bitcoin, the professionals around you are the problem. You, you not understand what you're doing, but you don't understand anything about laws and taxes and regulations and all that stuff. The people around you can't expect them to become blockchain experts on Polygon, right? I mean, it just, 
it's not gonna, it's 43,000 tax firms. It's probably 40,000 lawyers. Um, dude, I actually get excited about this can help a whole planet. The other thing it is, is like I just got off the phone with an investor, a potential investor on Node 40, and he was like, hey, are you looking outside the United States? And my answer was, dude, there's trillions of dollars chased just in the U.S. Why would I go look in Europe? I don't have to travel to Europe. He's like, that is the right answer, Gary. I was hoping you were going to make a mistake and go, yeah, we're going to take over the world. Dude, you can't digest the U.S. business. Um, so I think, you know, the other really interesting piece would be this is a 15 to 20-year player. You could build businesses, sell them, build another one, sell it, build another one, sell it, build another one. You can literally help thousands of families move into the new world order. This is going to be the new world order. For sure, okay? There might be some other world orders, but we're going to compete. This will be the new world order. Transparency, frictionless, margins super hyper-compressed, uh, and may the best man win. And, and the best man brings the best value, brings the greatest transparency. He's going to win. That's pretty freaking exciting to me. Um, you know, that I can send money to someone, someone in Portugal and, and it doesn't get raped and pillaged all along the way. I think that's got to be good. And it's connecting us, man. If we think about my, uh, currency as communication, this opportunity to connect 8 billion people, I think I'm going to meet some really cool people through this journey. So that why wouldn't you be excited, man? Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I definitely agree that margins are going to get compressed and the consumer is going to be the one that benefits from that. And then the consumer is probably going to be holding Bitcoin. So I think it's going to be an awesome journey. Uh, Gary, thanks so much for coming on. I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you, Jeff. Good, good, to, good to meet you. And uh, if we're ever at a similar trade show in this space, make sure you let me know because I'd love to grab, grab a cup of coffee with you. Absolutely. Likewise, we'll do it. See you, Gary.